Yo, episode two, let me go, yeah. Lord, if the word of God says that the correct answer about this is to do a handstand for five minutes, then I will do a handstand for five minutes. Help me not to back out of doing the handstand for five minutes. Help me not to all of a sudden find a different interpretation for what's in there because I don't want to do a handstand for five minutes. Yo, have you been in a situation, horse, where you're stranded at the station four days or more patient waiting on the train at all to running later? Decisions to make on pause, creative inspiration gone, I'm praying that I aid in y'all. Eh? Let me bless the studio. Fix up the microphone, check one, two, three, go. This is Udo Ibeleme, your host, and welcome to the show. First, a word from TikTok. Now I just write songs, right? At one point I was asked a question, how do you overcome writer's block? Since I'm a Christian, let me be like Christ and answer that question with another question. Do you want to write the song you're writing? When I'm writing a song, there's purpose behind it. There's a worldview undergirding it. There are scriptures that I've looked into and there's a deep motivation to get the message behind the song out into the world. And so I may not finish it today or tomorrow or next week, but best believe that I will finish it. And by God's grace, it will be awesome. If you're just trying to write a hit and there's nothing else to it, I'm not sure I can really help you. But a good way to get over writer's block is to really want to write the song that you're writing. You will pass that hurdle. You will figure it out. Trust me. Praise Jesus. So welcome to today's episode. Today, we are talking about writer's block and the valley of decision. Please do not be deceived. Yes, we are talking about writer's block, but this episode should help all creators. All creators who deal with some sort of interruption in their process of thinking about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. All creators, all content creators, this should be of benefit to you. That is my hope and prayer. All right? So, writer's block and the value of decision. Why did I put these two together? Now, creators, they have to make decisions about what or how they create, right? So this is where the term of writer's block comes from, or maybe you don't have enough um, inspiration, or you can't seem to get an idea right or flesh it out in a particular way. All of those things, all creators go through that. Now, I write songs, so what I would call it is writer's block. And I was asked about writer's block on Instagram. So this will form the larger part of my response. Whereas the TikTok video that I just played would form the shorter part of my response. Right? So we're fleshing that even more and more here in this episode today. And I hope that this is of benefit to you guys. Now, creators have to make decisions about what or how to create. But Christians... Christians have to make decisions in Christian ways, right? We have to make decisions as Christians, as those who turn from our sins. We forget our sins behind us. We throw them away. Um, we repent from them and we trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation. Not in 
what we are doing, even the turning from our sins, but we trust in Jesus and what he has done for us and what he did in his life as well um, for our salvation, right? Um, that's what makes us Christians. And we have to make decisions in Christian ways, right? Um, these decisions would be about what do we think? What do we say? What do we do? All of these things are in our decision-making, right? So we have to make decisions about our thoughts, words, and deeds, right? Now moving on, therefore, Christian creators must make Christian decisions about what or how to create, right? Every time that an artist does something, every time that a creator does something, or he starts creating something, or he does whatever, he's making decisions. At times, he's making lots of decisions. Of course, because he's a Christian, he should be making those decisions in a Christian way. Now, he may or may not be making those decisions in a Christian way, but he should. You understand? He should. He may not be, but he should. Right? Because he's a Christian. All right? Um, so let's talk about that a, a, a little bit. What do you mean making decisions in a Christian way? Now, when Christians create, I am going to say, I'm going to posit here that Christians that are creating must intentionally give God glory. Right? Non-negotiable, we must give God glory in whatever we do. We must give God glory, right? Um, now, this is, remember I said that it is God that we must give glory. This is as opposed to ourselves. We don't want to give ourselves glory. Um, and this is the difficulty, right? Because if you are, um, like I do, um, creating commercial music, you're trying to make a hit you're trying to make something that would land and uh, whereas there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself if that is your operating principle um chances are you won't be intentionally giving god glory in all that you're doing you would be trying to give glory to yourself by trying to draw men to yourself and doing whatever you need to do to to make that possible right? That's not a nice place to be in. Um, but not to say again that there's anything wrong with having a hit or a big song or something that is that successful. We all hope and pray for that. But this should not be our operating, our operating like principle, right? So for instance, if my operating principle is to make money making money again something else it's not a bad thing making money is actually good bible tells us that money answers all things and uh, between me and you guys there are a lot of things on my end that need to be answered um so making money is not a bad thing and the bible never ever condemns it um, the issue has always been the love of money being the root of evil. So, whereas the one who is doing what they're supposed to do 
according to God's law, according to Jesus, according to to the apostles, um, God's moral principles rest on two things, primarily on loving God and secondarily on loving your neighbor. You find that loving God clause in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and loving your neighbor comes from Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18, right? If my memory serves me well, this is not in my notes. Um, so those are the two operating principles of like morality, the morality that comes out of the Bible. We have to love God primarily, secondarily, love neighbor. Um, if I remove those and I put the love of money there, that means that I am willing to do anything that would just get me the most amount of money, regardless of how moral or immoral it is. So if doing something great will get me the most amount of money, then I'll do it. Not because I'm a moral person, not because I love God and love neighbor, but because I want money. And if doing something immoral, like um, selling drugs and all of those things, is um, if, if that's my operate, if, if that will give me the most amount of money, then, and my operating up principle is, again, the love of money, then I'll go in that direction. Not because I'm trying to be bad, but because I just want money. I want the most amount of money. That doesn't make me any better, though. A lot of people give excuses, and this might be a tangent. A lot of people give excuses for the things that they do and uh, say, well, you know, this was giving me more money or whatever the case is. But as Christians, <clears throat> our operating principles, right? with regards to morality, should be love of God, love of neighbor, right? When Christians create, we should be giving God glory, not ourselves, and giving God glory just like that. That is our operating principle, and that comes like loving God, loving neighbor too, you know? Um, when we follow God's law, we give God glory, right? So we don't want to give ourselves glory. We don't want to give society glory we don't want to give other people glory primarily primarily we want to give god glory right another thing i'll say about loving god and loving neighbor um notice that i said primarily love god and secondarily love neighbor right when jesus was asked in the book of matthew he was asked in matthew chapter 22 what is the greatest commandment that's what he said. He said, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, rest all the law and the prophets. Right? Um, now, the thing about it is, a lot of people like to just jump to loving neighbor. Right? But um, by what standard are we loving neighbor? Who tells us how to love our neighbor? And who does it ultimately give glory to when we love our neighbor in that way? The answer to all of those questions should be God. It shouldn't be anyone else and it shouldn't be even the neighbor himself, right? So primarily we love God. Secondarily, we love neighbor, right? So... We're giving God glory. 
we're doing these things to give God glory and we don't want to just be focusing primarily on making a hit or making it big or whatever the case is. We want to be giving God glory as Christians, as Christians are talking to, evangelical Christians, right? That create, right? Um, if you are not a creator, by the way, please stick around. This will help you. This will All of this will help you, all right? So let's talk a little bit. Um, God is our creator, right? And he's an intentional creator, all right? Um, Exodus chapter 20, that's where, you, that's where we find our 10 commandments. Um, and uh, while he's going through the fourth commandment, which is about, um, while God is going through the fourth commandment, which is about the Sabbath, right? Um, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He's telling Israel that he, he wants them to work for six days and then rest on the seventh, right? And this is verse 11. This is the last verse in this section. And it says, quote, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. End quote. Right? So I'm focusing on the fact that in six days the, the Lord made the heavens and the earth right um i don't know what other people believe i know that there is a prevailing pagan myth um that has unguided chaos as the creator of all things and everything is time being the destructive force and chance being the creative force acting on matter Right? But um, our Bibles tell us, the word of God tells us, right? The person who was there, God, he tells us that in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And this is our God, the one who is. The word the Lord there, um, I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. The Lord here is capitalized. So this is referring to Yahweh, right? The name of God. And that name means the one who is. He's the existing one, the one who is, right? It's come like saying he is. The he is that matches the I am that we have in Exodus 3, right? So the one who is, and that's the thing. He wasn't created. He's not contingent on anything. He just is. So he was there all the time. He always will be there because he's just the one who is right and he made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them in six days um so we have a creator god right we have a creator god another scripture isaiah chapter 40 verses 10 11 and 12 quote behold the lord god will come with might with his arm ruling for him behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a 
in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales, right? So if you go back to Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, right? And you look at it, you see that um, what God does is intentional every step of the way. Okay, I'm going to divide this from this. Day from night, darkness from light. I'm going to divide the sea from the land. I'm going to such and such and such. And he does everything a very methodical way. Nothing is haphazard about what God is doing. And here in Isaiah chapter 40, in what I read here, particularly verse 12, we have that who, the who here, the, the, um, this who refers to the Lord God in verse 10. That's why I included it. Um, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He marked out the heavens by the span. The span is like stretching out your hand like that. And calculated the dust of the earth by the measure. And weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales. Right? So there is intentionality going in going on here there is fine tuning going on here there is precision and measurement all of these things are going into the creation of the universe the complete opposite of what we are told by the prevailing pagan myth of today right um it is not unguided and it is not chaotic or random it is guided and there's personality behind it there there's a personal creator right and he is not just pressing a button he's not just throwing things up in the air he is very intentional with what he does right another thing is that this god this god that is personal this god that creates and this god that creates intentionally also created us he created us in his image, right? Genesis chapter 1, right? Verse 27. What does it say? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right? Skip forward to chapter 5, first two verses. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. All right? So, we have a God that creates, personal God that creates intentionally, and he created us in his image. So, creators among us, right? And not just creators, everyone. What does this say for us? It says that, of course, we have a creator and we must worship him. But it also says that um, since we are created in the image of an intentional God, we shouldn't be random people. We should be intentional about the things that we do, right? And this is why this particular episode about writer's block and the value of decision is very important. Writer's block for creators and the value of decision for Christians in general right? Because we are not going to get out of this haphazardly. We're not going to get out of these issues, these hard decisions that we have to make creatively and otherwise in life generally. We are not going to do it haphazardly. We're going to do it intentionally, all right? That's, that's, we're not going to, okay, let me see what happened. 
Let me see if I can get this muse or whatever. Let me see how I feel about it. Such and such and such. That's not what we're going to do. We are going to have intention in what we're doing. What we're going to do is be intentional. All right? So we have a personal, intentional creator. And we are created in his image. All right? But not just that. We are created for his glory. Okay? Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Quote, and when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, quote, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created, end quote, end quote. Now, I singled this part out um, not to get into um, eschatology. We could probably do that another time. But um, on today's episode, my focus is on verse 11 of Revelation 4, right? Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things... And because of your will, they existed and were created. Um, the KJV says, for thy pleasure, they are and were created. Right? Um, I know that because the King James Version of this verse is a Nigerian chorus that's sung in churches and among Christians. Right? Um, for those of you that don't know, I am a Trinidadian born and raised I am also by ancestry and I have the passport. I am also a Nigerian, right? By ancestry. Okay. Um, so yes, I'm familiar with this song, and this song has the KJV of this. Like that's basically the lyrics of the song. And it says, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created, right? And the word will and the word pleasure. Those two are sort of interchangeable, right? You're not going to... We are volitional creatures. We're not going to do what doesn't please us or what doesn't please us most out of the available options. Um, and we are created by a God who is not just volitional, but he has complete freedom because he is also omnipotent, right? So whatever he pleases to do, he's not limited by any options, right? Whatever he pleases to do, he will do, right? So whereas we might not be able to have our pleasure in the available options that are open to us, God being omnipotent, um, he has complete freedom to have his full pleasure. And that's what we were created for, right? We were created for his pleasure. We were created because of his will. And in all that we do, the way we live our lives, the way we make decisions, and the way we get through writer's block and similar problems in, in content creation. These things are to give God glory, right? In fact, everything we do is to give God glory. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, right? Um, the context of this is interesting talks about um 
eating meat, um, sacrifice to idols and that sort of thing. Um, something interesting to read. But the general principle in this verse holds true. We do all to the glory of God. All right? Now, there are some of you guys that are Christians. And what I'm saying might make you a bit uncomfortable. Not because you don't want to do everything to the glory of God. But because you may be confusing what I mean by that. And I will be clear. Doing everything to the glory of God does not necessarily mean creating gospel-themed content or creating theological content, biblical content, preachy content, right? I do that, and I'm proud of what I do, right? But um, you don't have to do that to, to create to the glory of God, right? In fact, I will read this to you. Jeremiah chapter 23. Now, um, Jeremiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom um for those of you that know during redemptive history um because of rehoboam's own immaturity and nonsense um the kingdom and also because of solomon the kingdom was split into two that whole israel thing was split into two so there was the northern kingdom of israel also called Samaria in the New Testament, and the southern kingdom of Judah, also called Judea in the New Testament, right? And we have here a prophet, Jeremiah. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judea, and he is letting them know that things are getting bad, right? Um, it's not just, okay, he's a weatherman, or he's forecasting or whatever. No, he's bringing... Um, judgment and sanctions against Judea from God. He's letting them know that they're going to be judged, right? And they were judged. They were taken out into exile by Babylon and all of that. But um, this is before that, right? Now, when you are given a message of doom and gloom, regardless of the fact that in this particular case, this is directly from God, um, the market might not favor you all that much. In fact, the market would very greatly favor someone who has the opposite to say. And Jeremiah had to deal with and compete with false prophets who were telling people exactly what they wanted to hear instead of what they needed to hear, which is that stuff is getting terrible. You understand? They needed to hear that so that they could repent and do something different. But that's not what happened, right? So let's get into this. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 30 to 32. And here, the false prophets are being addressed. Quote, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare. The Lord declares. Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting. Yet I did not send them or command them, nor do they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. So here... False prophets are being addressed. 
these are people who are creating gospel-themed content, so to speak, right? They're creating theological content. Let's say um, Jewish content, Judaism-themed content, right? And they are theological, all of those things, but they are wrong. And to me, I think this would be worse than doing something secular. And by secular, I mean godless, right? Um, by doing something completely godless. Here, they are using God's name to talk nonsense. They're using God's name to spread lies, right? And that is, to me, worse. So, um, and these guys... They're using God's name. They're creating preachy content, all of those things. But they are not giving God glory. And this is just, to bring this full circle, proof that giving God glory and creating that type of overtly Christian content, those things are not synonymous, right? You don't necessarily have to create overtly Christian content, but you have to give God glory. That's something that you don't have an option on, right? You have to give God glory. You don't have an option with that one. You have an option with, okay, do I want to do the preachy thing? Do I want to praise Jesus all the time like Udo? Is that what I want to do? Or do I want to do something else? Of course, it has to come out of your worldview as a Christian. It has to give God glory. In what you're doing, you cannot be accused of not loving God primarily and loving your neighbor. You don't have to do overtly Christian content, but you have to give God glory. You don't have an option there. At this point in time, we'll take a little pause and we'll be back. Ah, yeah. Enjoy the content here on the Udo Ibelame Show. There is a way in which you can offer support. Doubles. Doubles. Here in the Twin Isle Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, doubles is both singular and plural. This is the name of our national street food. It is cheap, filling, and it is much healthier than coffee. So I'd really rather you buy doubles than coffee. We are fueled by doubles here on the show. For just one dollar, you can buy me a doubles with slight pepper and extra sweet sauce. You can write in what you want to give, so you can even buy more doubles if you want. I normally eat four in one sitting, but the ancients once said, beggars can't be choosers. Please remember that part proceeds go toward feeding African children. Three of them. Actually two. Amaria's still nursing. She can't eat doubles yet. She's still breastfeeding. So, buy me a doubles today. Check out the link in the show notes. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Okay, so jumping right back into it, let's start with Psalm 1. Quote, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, 
which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And one more verse I want to read for you guys. Genesis chapter 1 verse 4. Quote, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. End quote. Now let's talk about making decisions. Let's talk about the value of decision. How do you make decisions about X? Now, I'm using algebra this time around. But throughout the course of this show, most likely we'll discuss many things, right? But um, this should be a rubric for you to use, for you to make your own decisions, for you to make, for you to get what we're talking about here and for you to be able to judge myself and others who claim to be working through things biblically right so how do we make decisions about um variable unknown issue x right first thing we have to do is resolve to be obedient to god's word this is the first 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 step you're going to ask the holy spirit to help you you're going to resolve to be obedient to god's word and when you're asking the holy spirit you're going to say lord if the word of god says that the correct answer about this is to do a handstand for five minutes then i will do a handstand for five minutes help me not to back out of doing the handstand for five minutes help me not to all of a sudden find a different interpretation for what's in there because I don't want to do a handstand for five minutes. Help me to be true to what the word of God really says. I'm resolving right now and I want you, Lord, I want you, Holy Spirit, to hold me accountable for what I see in the word when I open it. Hold me accountable to it. All right? If... I see the hand standing there and I don't want to do it. Bother me until I do it. Give me problems until I do it. Don't, don't let me sleep until I do my five-minute handstand. Lord, I want to resolve to be obedient to your word regardless of what it says. Lord, I have a view on this. I have a view on unknown SUX. I have a view on it. I already know what I think I'm supposed to do. And I feel strongly about it right now. But if when I open your word and it tells me the opposite, it tells me to do the five-minute handstand instead of what I think I have to do, help me to repent of my own wrong thinking about this and to go with what the word of God says. I'm talking to you about this, Lord, because I don't want to open the Bible and then pretend not to see what is there. I don't want to open the Bible and pretend not to understand what is plain. I don't want to open the Bible and pretend that what is a command is a custom. 
Lord, I am too smart for my own good sometimes. And so, help me to surrender to your word. That is the first step on how to make decisions like a Christian. That is the first step. The first, first, first step is before you even open the Bible. Because that is what we're going to do next. Before we even open the Bible, you resolve to obey whatever it says, no matter the consequences. You resolve to obey it. You resolve to apply it properly and not to behave like it do apply to you or like it can't at all apply to you, right? And there are some people who look at even certain parts of the Bible and say this entire part of the Bible cannot apply to me. Um, but the thing is that there are parts of your Christian life and work that you obey that are in this part of the Bible. And typically the Old Testament is, is what this is, right? So there are pastors who would resolve on many different things to say, well, you know, the Old Testament do apply. And I'm not saying that it applies in a one-to-one way. Again, if you guys listened to my last episode, I said application is done when we match the similarities between our context and the context of Scripture, right? And where we budget for the differences between our context and the context of Scripture. And there is a covenantal difference there, right? They are under a different covenant than we are. You understand? So... That sort of thing is understood. But to completely write off that part of the Bible and say, well, we don't, um, you know, I'm a New Testament Christian. My question would be, okay, so what do you do with, um, per se, um, bestiality? The New Testament says nothing about it. Is it okay? Is it, is it okay to have a nice night with Fluffy? Is it all right? Um, if you say, well, no, that's an adultery. Where do you learn what adultery is? The same Old Testament. Pastors who like to say this. Okay, so um, should we stop paying you? What did New Testament writers base paying pastors on? The Old Testament, right? And it was actually a very obscure animal husbandry law, right? About not muzzling an ox. Application is broad, guys. Application from all over the Bible is broad. And it's something that we need to not turn off of certain parts of the Bible because we're not comfortable with those parts or we're not whatever the case is. Let's get comfortable. It's God's word, right? And that is actually the safest place to be. Out here is madness. God's word is safe, all right? So if that is something that um, some of you listeners need to repent of, um, you could go ahead and do that. That's fine, all right? So the first thing we do is we resolve to be obedient to God's word, we're not going to lean on other things, lean on other understandings and walk in the counsel of the wicked and get advice from here, get advice from there, whatever. We're going to start with God's word. This is where we're going to start, right? We're going to start with the law of the Lord and the whole Bible, not just the law. We're going to meditate on it day and night, right? So now we're going to open it. And here's the first question we ask. 
what does the Bible say about unknown variable issue X? What does the Bible say about it? Does the Bible say to do the handstand? Or does the Bible say that someone in similar context to you should do the handstand? Then make applications and be obedient. And that's the end of it. What does the Bible say about this issue? And if the Bible says something, simple enough, you do what the Bible says. You make the applications properly, of course, as we just discussed, and you do what the Bible says, and that's the end of it. Otherwise, and this, I think, is where the trouble comes in, because there are people who disobey what the Bible would clearly say about variable issue X, right? And uh, that happens. I could point some out, but again, I'm keeping it in algebra for now. I'm keeping it as X for now, right? But there are people who would do that, and we've already dealt with that. But this is the more tricky one. And it's not really that tricky. Uh, to me, I think it's a bit lazy, right? It's a bit lazy, and you want to be autonomous. You don't want to have the word of God as your operating principle you understand you want to make this decision yourself or you think you believe that you should be fine making this decision yourself and you tell yourself that um the word of god doesn't apply to these things and so that means that you should be open to do that you should be fine doing that you understand so what what do we do when we don't see unknown variable issue x in the in in the bible what what happens then we need to ask the second question the first question was what does the bible say about x the second question is what does the bible say about each of the principles undergirding x so undergirding x you have a b and c if you were to define x they would say x is about a b and c so in maths terms x equals a multiplied by b multiplied by c so the next thing that we do when we don't see x in the bible we look for what the bible has to say about a b and c this is what people don't do we say well it don't have that in the Bible and we continue and we do whatever we want to do. And then you ask people about these things and you get the same range of ideas. And sometimes these are moral issues, right? You get the same range of ideas about these moral issues or issues that in some way have to do with morality. We get the same range of ideas in the church that we have outside of the church. And it's weird. Because if we are to be renewing our mind, as it says in Romans 12, how is it that we end up looking the same, thinking the same, saying the same, doing the same? So, if we don't see X in the Bible, we look for the principles undergirding X. We look for A, B, and C. You understand what I'm saying? And, 
of course, you could continue this down to, to a considerable degree if you're serious about making biblical decisions. You understand? What does the Bible say about each of the principles under good and X? If the Bible says something, then be obedient. You understand? Make the proper applications on all of those things. Similarities, match the similarities, budget for the differences, and be obedient. And that's the end of it. And when we're talking about moral issues, issues that have morality in them, this is the end of it. We don't go any further than this. We have to do it God's way. You understand where I'm coming from? We don't get to go any further than this. For moral issues, this is what we do. This is what we do. And there may be moral issues, and I think Romans 14 speaks to this. There may be moral issues where we are told, this is in your hand. God has given it in your hand for you to do what you want to do with this particular issue. And in such a case, then doing what you want is obedience. You understand? And if there's a way in which you must do what you want, which Romans 14 says as well, right? Then doing that as well is obedience, right? But for moral issues, we stick in with God's word. We, we ain't doing nothing else. We're not being creative. We are sticking with God's word. But otherwise, right? If we're not dealing with a purely moral issue or whatever, we go through all of this. We make sure that we go through all of this. You understand? And then now, this is where things might get a bit more subjective again because we're not dealing with moral issues, right? Um, we might be dealing with an issue like, for instance, what do you want to wear today? What, what, what should I wear to go out, right? And I want you to ask yourself three questions. What can you do? That's your first question. Second question is, what may you do? And the third question is, what would you do? Right? When you're asking what can you do, you're thinking about your ability. What are you able to do? Right? There are people who seem to be delusional about their own abilities. Right? Um, let's not do that. Let's not be delusional about what we can do. There are even, and this will be addressed again in future episodes, there are entire modes of thinking in mainstream Christianity that embrace and encourage delusions, right? And, uh, and these are self-delusions. Self you understand? You're deluding yourself. You're deceiving yourself, right? So what can you do? The next question is, what may you do? What will you be allowed to, you, to do? Are there any um, restrictions on you doing this thing you understand out of all of the options of the things that you can do what are you allowed to do right then the last question what would you do that is about your volition that's about your desires what do you want to do out of all of these things you've already sifted through god's word so all of these things are on the table, morally speaking. At this point, everything is on the table, morally speaking, right? And we've already sorted out that these things, they're within 
what God would be acceptable with. You understand? So we've already sorted that out. And then we've sorted out in the previous two questions that you have the ability to do the things that are still on the table. You've thrown off the things that you can't do. And in the last question, we've sorted out that you are allowed to do these things. You've thrown off the things that you're not allowed to do. Of course, the last question, let me say one more thing about that last what may you do question. Romans 13 tells us that all authority comes from God. God is the one who sets up all authorities, right? So the what may you do has to be with that understanding. And of course, that would be running through the decision of how you think about authority through the same process. And you would come out with that at the other end. Um, God puts authorities where they are. And so um, we obey every authority that we obey because of God, because he put them there, one. And two, we have to recognize what those things have authority over because no authority, save and apart from the authority of God himself, is absolute. None of these authorities are absolute, right? So if someone is claiming an authority that they don't have, what you may do can include disobeying that person, disobeying that entity, right? And we can talk about that later in other episodes as well, right? So what can you do? What may you do? The second question is what would you do, all right? And of course, this, hear me the second, this is the third question. What would you do? And this has to do with what you want to do. What is it? You, we've gone through all of these things. We've taken all of those other things off of the table. And now you are going to decide what you are going to do. All right. And this is a rundown of how to make decisions about X as a Christian. Right. And this should be how you run through the things that you do. You go through this. How do you run through the things that you say? You should go through this. How do you run through the things that you think you should go through this? If you don't go through this, then you're not being intentional in your in the glory that you are to be given to God in everything that you do. And uh, God forgives our sins. All right? Through Jesus Christ, God forgives our sins. So we don't have that to worry about. But what um what what we should do if after we've done something or thought something or said something that we didn't run through this sort of thing and i'm not saying you have to get a pen and paper and do this every single time but you've done it at at one point in time and because that sort of decision making has already been done in the past you sort of draw on that like a case law and you do it again without having to go through the process again. If you haven't done that for any of your decisions and you run it through in like a post-mortem and you recognize that this wasn't up to standard as far as um, what the Bible has to say about it, what the Bible has to say about the principles undergirding it, you understand what I'm saying? At that point, you should repent. We're Christians, right? Turn from your sin. You confess it to God. You repent of it. You understand? Now, my creators, how do we overcome writer's block? Right? Um, again, forgive the language that I'm using here. I am a songwriter. Right? 
but this should be of interest and of help to you no matter what type of creator you are all right so if you have writer's block it is too late i don't say that to be negative right i say that to make a point writer's block is not a point that we want to reach writer's block is something that we want to avoid whatever we are creating we want to approach it like batman with plenty preparation right a lot of preparation if you guys remember the tiktok video that i played at the beginning the question is do you really want to create what you're creating do you really want to write the song that you are writing you understand how deeply have you thought about the message behind what you want to create how deeply have you thought about it is this a message that you really want to convey such that creating this content would fulfill that for you and you'd be able to get that out how deeply have you thought about this you understand because if you've thought deeply about it you will have you will have a lot of inspiration and a lot of like information and data that you can put into what you're creating all right have you properly made a decision about what you think about that particular issue the message you want to create that that issue have you properly made a decision about what you think about that issue have you um have you resolved to be obedient to god's word first of all have you tried to figure out what the bible says about it have you tried to figure out what the bible says about the principles undergirding if it, if the bible says nothing about it in particular we don't get off the hook with that right the other three things at the bottom what can you do what may you do what would you do that would um determine how you creatively express that you understand because we're doing content here that would determine how you creatively express that for instance um i might do a hip-hop beat instead of something else or i might do a soca beat instead of something else or i might wear a black shirt with a red tie printed on it instead of something else those types of um decisions would be de determined by the last three questions what can you do what may you do what would you do right but before that that idea that message have you run that through have you um looked at the issue even if it's a current event have you strained it through the scriptures what did the bible say about the principles undergirding here the important things that are here what does the bible say about it you understand and the bible does not um contradict itself so if it looks like that then we need to do some more work to ensure that we are coherent with the bible and that the bible is coherent with itself in our understanding of what it says right yo this was a lot this was a hefty episode it's a lot for me to um edit but um the last thing i want to say is by my doubles now praise jesus you made it through the whole episode the show done hope you get some positive in the nucleus you know a proton anyhow you know this slogan praise jesus